In this week's episode, Aaron Judge returns to the Bronx. The San Francisco Giants finally get their franchise player. The New York Mets just keep spending. And what are the Dodgers going to do next with all the big names off the board? Find out our opinion coming up next. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonathan and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is Thursday, December 15th, nighttime, 6.40 p.m. Alex, the winter meetings are over, but the hot stove is just as hot as it was just about one week ago. Uh, I mean, we have been seeing massive amounts of deals being completed. Uh, Some of the big dogs on the free agency market are finally finding homes. We'll go, we'll go through, of course, those teams that are landing the big free agent signings and also some of the big trade pieces. We'll also cover some of the last free agents still available that hopefully and maybe your team will be going after to, uh, to better help their chances with this year's uh, season and, of course, in the playoffs for 2023. But let's start off with, of course, the big two teams that are coming out of the state of New York, the Yankees and the Mets. We'll first start with the Yankees, Alex. Some big news today, some big news about five to six days ago, but the Yankees have been major ballers, I would say, over the past week with the signings that they have been uh, committing to some of these guys uh, that are just, you know, all-star type players the past two to past seasons. But we'll start with Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million to Mr. Judge. That's about a $40 AAV the Yankees first got. Then, of course, today, tonight, they acquired a star starting pitcher, Carlos Rodon, uh, a six-year, $162 million deal. That's about 27 mil AAV. I feel like during this podcast, we'll talk about a lot of deals getting 27 mil AAV. For some reason, that's just the hot number that we've been getting for AAV over the past two weeks. But the last deal they actually ended up inking was Tommy you're going to have to tell me what his last name is. It is it Canley? Canley, I think. Canley, yeah. okay. Two years, 11.5 mil. We're looking at about close to 6 mil AAV for Tommy. But they get Tommy back, of course, and Aaron Judge back. Uh, Tommy, I believe, was a Dodger last year, but he was a Yankee in 2021 and 2020 in his previous season. So they get Tommy back. They, of course, re-sign Aaron Judge to a massive, massive deal. Hopefully now Aaron Judge will finish out his career as a Yankee. And then, of course, ink in. Carlos Rodon to fit incredibly, incredibly nicely right behind Garrett Cole as the second starting pitcher for that rotation. Cole Rodon, I tell you what, that's a very, very strong start to a playoff series right there. Alex, start with you. Give me your takes on the Yankees, how they have been aggressive over the past week. Yeah, I think they had to do it. I think that, you know, I always have the respect for these teams who really go out guns blazing and they are aggressive in the free agent market. Uh, 
I've kind of said it for a while now on the podcast here, Travis. I just think that they're in a situation where it's about winning right now. Obviously, you have the Yankees culture and the Yankees fans that demand to win. But even beyond that, um, I don't think this Cole contract is going to age very well. The stand towards the end, it's going to be miserable, honestly. Um, I don't know how many years left on his deal, but it was a 13-year deal when he signed it, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it's definitely going to age poorly, in my opinion, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cole, yeah, I think Cole, his contract takes him to like, he's in his late thirties. So, um, these are just deals you expect to age poorly and you want to win while they're still, uh, putting up very good numbers. Um, so now you're adding in judge and Rodon, two more contracts that I think are very good value in the short term. And in the long term, the back end of the deals probably won't be very good. I think especially Rodon, um in when he's like 36 37 i think he's 30 or 31 right now so the end end of that deal it's gonna be um probably an overpay but in the in the short term travis i think it's really good value for a pitcher who really is an ace in my opinion i think he was yes. i think um you're, like, you're, you're getting the two best strikeout starting pitchers almost in in the entire big leagues right, right and a righty and a lefty to start things off in a series it's really it's really nice but um I gotta give props to Degrom, obviously, just the, the the reputation and and Verlander as well. But based on age, I think there's an argument to say Rodon might be like the highest possible value that you might get out of um out of these contracts that have been signed for starting pitcher free agents. Uh, just because even though there is injury concern like DeGrom, he's still younger, where I think he might hold up a bit longer than a guy like DeGrom and then um, you know, Verlander's obviously already, you know, he's going to be in his forties when his contract ends. So, um, probably, probably less value there, but, um, I think the Rodon deal is, uh, a good value for the Yankees as well as, you know, I'm glad for him that he got his, you know, six years. It's a big contract. I mean, Travis, two years ago, a lot of people didn't know who this guy was, you know, yeah. he had that really great 2020 short season. And then, um, the, 2021 had the no hitter in the beginning. I think it was May against. Oh, uh, sorry. I don't. 2020, he didn't have a. I think he still had a pretty high ERA. He was almost a right. five four, you know, ERA guy. You know, just hovering over, always over a four for the season on yes. ERA. He, he wasn't really showing strides as of until last year with his breakout season. The, the, the 2021 season, it's crazy how he was so effective, um, and all the underlying numbers liked him as well. But then the big question mark was the durability there's an injury history as well as a lack of volume a lack of innings pitched in any given season um so because of that the white Sox didn't even offer him a qualifying offer i think at that time it was about 18 million and change for one year and they didn't even offer that which is just mind-blowing that now he is what was it 160 million 162 mil um it's looking bad for the White Sox. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, I guess it's not really a bet on yourself because he didn't really have a choice. He didn't have a qualifying offer to even accept. But he definitely um, is in a spot now where he's getting paid and he's going to be on a big market. It's going to be fun. And I think, yeah, I think it just shows further com- commitment by the Yankees. We want to win now. We have a window where Judge, Cole, now Rodon, even LeMahieu, Stanton, all these guys are kind of still in that bubble in the middle of their career where you could say they're prime, late prime, something like that. Um, and then, you know, as soon as those guys start all hitting 35, 36, um, maybe it gets harder to win uh, a title. So I think that they're in a really good spot for the next couple of years. Yeah. And it's funny that we looked at this, uh, we looked at the Yankees and about 10 days ago, the first signing they had was Brian Cashman. 
Yeah. <laughs> Brian Cashman signed their, himself. Their general manager. Uh, Yankee fans, uh, Yankee Nation was just outraged by the, the the GM, the president, making absolutely no moves on the offseason. Aaron Judge, it looked like he was going to be heading to the Bay Area. He's going to be a San Francisco Giant, finish out career, uh, finish out his career at home. Um, but then you see now Cashman just striking with with with, with Tommy Canely, with Aaron Judge, with Carlos Rodon. And it seems like this ship is kind of being steered back in the right direction. They already were a playoff team. I think if they lost Judge, they already still were a team that could make a very good push as a, a top six playoff team. But now they're just, of course, reassuring their dominance uh, and, of course, showing the league and showing the at least the American League East that they're still the top team in that division and the top team in the entire uh, American League and you know possibly even MLB with these signings. So, uh, I mean, power moves so far by the Yankees. Uh, but we got to move over to the other team in New York, the team that's in Queens. Um, they made some big moves before Aaron Judge, Rodon, all these guys came down. They, of course, secured Justin Verlander. That was the big start of uh, it would be almost uh, Steve Cohen's rage spending after he lost Jacob deGrom. But they actually go out and secure a lot more pieces, Alex. And the, the, the Mets are just it, it's it's just so funny and so I would say nice as well that, you know, a couple weeks ago, Mets fans were out there thinking, you know, we're, we're losing out on all these guys. We're going to be nothing next year. Um, talk about we're going to be a third place team. The Phillies are going to replace us. But they go out, of course, and get Verlander. Now they go out there and get Jose Quintana, uh, a guy who last year kind of had a uh, a rebound season. Yes. Um, he, he really lost uh, his, his, his luster and really lost... I feel like his successful pitching days were way behind him. Uh, he signs a two-year, 26-mil uh, deal. That's about 13-mil AAV. Then they get the Japanese sensation Kodai Senga for a five-year, $75 million deal, about 15-mil AAV. And that really sparks everybody's attention. You get a guy that has already faced Shohei in the Japanese leagues, um, pitched really well in the, in the last World Baseball Classic. So that's really exciting to add that they got Scherzer, Verlander, Quintana, and now Sanga. And of course, Hector Carrasco rounding out that starting rotation, looking very, very good. But then, of course, they go after some bullpen guys and they get David Robertson for the bullpen, a one year, $10 million deal. Had a very good season last year with the Phillies. And then they want to, of course, reassure their offense and their defense. And of course, again, they sign Brandon Nimmo back to the Mets to probably most likely finish out his career. It's an eight-year, 162 mil deal. It's about 20 mil AAV. So bringing him back, you bring on a tremendous on-base machine and also center field defender. That, of course, is just the highlight right there. Uh, and then, God, right when we were preparing for this episode, just about one hour ago, they have so far, it looks like in the news, they have secured uh, catcher Omar Navarez, who is one of the one of the top rated catchers in the free agent market so far left, uh, you know, on the board over the past couple of days. They secured him from all the numbers I'm looking at, Alex. It looks like it's about a two year, 15 mil. There might be a player or club option in that last year, but they, of course, get another catcher to hopefully compete with a. James McCann, maybe, or even their number one prospect from last year, Francisco Alvarez. So they, of course, now have a big, interesting uh, dilemma to look at for the catching position. Do they trade possibly McCann? Um, do do they release him? Who knows what, what's going to happen there? But 
it, it's it's fun to see the Mets just continuously week by week striking these the uh, some of these guys are almost little deals but some of these guys are actually really good and big deals the Sanga and the Nimmo deal very very good for the Mets to get Nimmo back and then of course Sanga into the rotation I, I I'm honestly really excited to see exactly what he can bring to this to the city of New York or in, into the Mets organization for the next five years but just these very impactful signings and it seems like Cohen's doing this last year he got Eduardo Escobar Mark Canna he got Starling Marte Starling Marte he got a couple of these just under the radar guys that were just great pieces for their organization last year but give me your thoughts so far now on the Mets and what they're almost rebuilding um a team that won 101 games and it just feels like now they're really uh they're really improving if I would say on their roster yeah so last year obviously 101 wins it was a great season overall for them but there was just kind of this like looming thing over the Mets fan base you kind of alluded to it they knew a lot of these guys would enter free agency right we knew Diaz was going to be a free agent DeGrom was going to be a free agent Nimmo was going to be a free agent Bassett yeah Bassett the list goes on really and um they were not able to keep DeGrom they switched him out for Verlander which is um probably the next best thing they could have tried to do given the situation um they kept Diaz they kept Nimmo they really did a great job they are replacing Bassett with uh Kodai Senga who I would assume I think will end up being better. It's kind of hard to mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. um, Age-wise, maybe. I, I'm trying to look at. I'm, I don't know what Senga's age is right now. I, I know, think I know he's Bassett's younger than over thirty. I think he's younger than Bassett. But either yeah. e either way, I mean, Bassett's a proven MLB arm. He's obviously a very good pitcher. But I do think that there's definitely an upside with going on the international market if you can strike gold there. Um, and then uh, bolstering up the pen again. I think that the uh, Robertson move and also Brooks Raley, who they signed from the he was a Ray, mm -hmm. um, had a, some really good numbers last year, good underlying numbers as well. Um, Raley has a kind of funny. I'm looking at his fan graphs, Travis. He was a Cub in 2012 and 2013, and then he was in the Korean League for five years, which is like a long time to yeah. be gone. Then to still come back in 2020. Uh, it says he played for two teams in 2020 in the MLB. Then 2021, he was with Houston, I know. And then uh, Tampa Bay targeted him as a free agent last year. And when Tampa Bay targets you as a free agent, I assume you're probably legit. Of course, he had a great year. Um, so the last the last season, he had a 2.68 ERA with a 2.74 FIP. Very good numbers, I think, for a reliever. Was able to throw how many innings here? I see 53 innings mm -hmm. uh, and two-thirds pitched. So um, I think overall it's a great signing him and uh, Rayleigh and Robertson in the pen for the Mets. Um, obviously, they have Diaz as well to close things out. So, I mean... I think uh, Steve Cohen answered all the questions that Mets fans might have had. Mets fans were probably worried, saying, hey, you know, this has been a great season, but we still did not win a playoff round, and now we have all these guys in free agency. And Steve Cohen said, don't worry, guys. I got us. I'm going to make sure that mm -hmm. we're not going to kind of fall off here. Um, I think that their, their rotation age, it's kind of funny how old it seems. Yeah. Um, obviously, Scherzer and... Um, Verlander are these like Hall of Famers that are in their late 30s already. So you you can expect um I would say at least one of them to be uh very good if not both of them, but there's just like and I think an increased injury risk and increased probably fatigue when you get to an older age, you might lose some volume a little bit. Um and then uh 
Quintana's not young anymore. Yeah. And then... Uh, Thir- 34 on opening day. And then Carrasco is 36 Cookie Carrasco on opening day. is so. 36 on opening day, you opening said? Opening day, yep. yeah. Yeah, so it's just definitely a funny situation of... A pretty, a pretty much, I would say, older uh, starting rotation, but I'm not too concerned about it. Just kind of a funny observation. Um, if it does come back to bite them, they have guys coming up. I know they have McGill, who they like, and uh, he had a good, pretty good season. So they're, they're going to have some options here, and and I'm excited to see how they kind of, uh, you know, come out of the gates in next season because the Braves have, um, you know, made some moves. Obviously, the Phillies have added. Um, so the Mets are doing their fair share in the division. It's going to be one of the more fun division races, I think. Yeah, and, and you, uh, it's it's definitely fun to see when Cohen is spending with um, such such variety. I, I mean, he, he goes out there and gets Verlander for such high, high AAV. And then, of course, gets Nimmo for it's pretty medium AAV when you look at in terms of, you know, every year with the money you're going to be getting $20 million to Nimmo. But then, of course, starts getting some of these smaller deals, $13 million to Quintana, $15 million to Sanga, $10 million for the just one year for David Robertson, and then $7.5 mil for Omar Navarez. It's it's almost just like he's getting some of these uh, just high, high-quality pitchers and high, high-quality players, but then also just sprinkling in some very good role players. That's what I really liked last year with the Eduardo yes. Escobar and the Canna signings they, they just were guys that could fit almost everywhere on the on the uh, on the defensive roster and, and could play at all different positions and be high impactful players i think the depth pieces it's what's so important what drives that mets teams to be successful especially with last season yeah it's funny how like he really is leaving no stone unturned he's addressing all the parts of the roster added a catcher when that was probably a weakness last year mccann yep. obviously um not been a really good contract for them and by any means uh so they went out there and got Narvaez and then um they added outfield with Nemo they added starting pitching adding three arms um and then of course adding uh multiple relievers three relievers so far if I'm not mistaken so I mean we're just talking about uh you know addressing every single possible issue totally revamping and and Travis we're talking about I I think I think that they in the collective bargaining agreement that uh was first instated last season, right before the season. I, if I'm not mistaken, there's like a special thing. Like, there, there's like the the luxury tax, or how, you know, yeah. however it works, the collective bargaining tax that prevents owners from like overspending. And then when you get into that, like whatever amount over it you are, there's like a certain amount extra the owner has to pay. Yep. But then I think there's like a second like tax uh, level yeah uh-huh. and i think that's almost like people almost put that in for steve cohen knowing that like he might go too far <laughs> and i think i i'm not sure if he's already through that second threshold or not but i think this coming season it's like oh it's like almost 400 million committed. I, I saw some some it's, sort of yeah i, I believe it's, it was it's the most million. ever i'm almost yeah. positive in a season and, and it feels like they might not even be done obviously they just added a new catcher today yeah maybe they're gonna add an infielder tomorrow who knows this this team is crazy but yeah um a lot of the big free agents are obviously kind of um, you know, leaving the market, signing the teams. So we'll see what they kind of end up doing. But it's just crazy to see how much progress that they've made. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how that team kind of performs. But um, it, it is interesting, and, and it's it's sad in a way to look at a team like the Mets, how much they're spending 400 mil, and then you look at like maybe like a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I, I think their their whole entire roster is only made up of like 30 mil. You know, yeah, and, and that's basically you, you, what they're you getting. You look at you look at the Rays giving their all time biggest free agent contract <laughs> to uh, Zach Eflin, and it's yes. like, 
Uh, I think the Mets probably signed like six players this offseason who have a higher contract than him. Yeah, and, and the maybe, Rays, maybe seven, eight players. Yeah, and the Rays and the Mets basically had the same outcome in the playoffs. You know, <laughs> they they lost in the first round. It, it's it's truly a, a money ball game with baseball. It, it, that's what makes it so fascinating. But um, and I guess we got to give credit, of course. Billy Epler is the general manager for the Mets. I know we keep saying Steve Cohen. He is where the money comes from. But Billy yeah. is definitely. It makes his job probably so much easier to have an owner that's like, here's your budget make it work get, it, get, get it, me a winning team it's 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 almost like um i feel like the for it was one of the few situations where the owner is like spend my money now like yes. it, it's like yeah. it's, it's not even like the other way around where it's like most of the time the gm needs to like seek approval from ownership it's like no 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 like epler is probably getting like his phone like blown up by like steve cohen text like who are you who are you having meetings yeah. with who have you signed today why is it's the like, market too quiet yeah, yeah, yeah and, exactly. uh, it's just funny but but I, I i will say the mets um it's another year, another offseason of them just continue, continuously spending. Uh, and Mets fans love that. I, I, I assume that just how much better they can get every, sing, every single season. And, and every every single offseason, the top free agent target uh, is, is definitely got the Mets in consideration because they know that they're going to get paid. But uh, we'll move now on to the – basically, we'll move on now to the teams, Alex, that were playoff teams this past season – they're basically kind of reloading their rosters and reloading with with good quality players, if that's starting pitching, bullpen help, or if that's positional players. But we'll start off with the Guardians, Alex. They got two just under-the-radar uh, deals done this past week. The Guardians, we we, we knew that we, we've known them to be for so long. They're they're not a team that that makes a lot of deals. I think last year, Alex, it was their their biggest contract um, signing slash extension. It was Jose Ramirez. Uh, he was their biggest ever in their club's history. I, I'm, I think it was about 125 mil for like five years or something like that. It, it was it was pretty nuts that a guy like that could have gotten way way more. I know the Blue Jays and the Mets were all in on him. Probably could have given him 300 million dollars or something like that for 10 years or so. But he signed with the Guardians last offseason. But so far this offseason, the Guardians have gotten two. Uh, players who do have pretty good careers have had some good seasons here and there but Josh Bell uh, the National and the Padre from last season he signs with the Guardians a first baseman two years 33 million dollars and then Mike Zanino we didn't see really much of him last season but he has had some really good power numbers 2021 and also in 2020 uh, when he was with the Rays he is now going to be a Guardian that's one year six million dollars so they are a team, Alex, that I think they were the worst team in baseball in terms of hitting home runs last year. They automatically get two sluggers that are used to hitting, I think, 20 or, 20 or you know, 30 home runs a season. Um, so they're definitely going to get help right then and right there. So, so far, the Guardians, I mean, two kind of under the radar moves, but how do you view these moves? I'm assuming Zanino becomes their, um, their you know, primary catcher and then Josh Bell will become their primary first baseman Josh Naylor who has a great bat does play some corner outfield I'm assuming he'll go out to the outfield or play some DH at times switch it up with Josh Bell how do you view the Guardians so far yeah I think that it's it's all moves that make sense they're a pretty smart team uh you know catcher they didn't have much offense um I know Hedges has gotten a lot of uh played appearances as catcher for them and it's funny I think he's one of the players who I always see doing like Lots of sack buns. Try to get a sacrifice fly in there because um, he just doesn't produce that much. But I think he's always been a really defensive uh, first catcher. Zunino is someone who I think is a pretty solid backstop. 
also has just like the crazy power. Um, 2021 obviously stands out as a crazy power year for him. I think we were talking about it on the podcast, all the crazy buzz about how he uh, on offense had, I think it was more home runs than singles. It was, it, was, yeah. it was at least more extra base hits than singles, but it was crazy how he was just uh, completely bought into the launch angle stuff and the Rays had him pretty much being a slugging machine. I think the average might have been below 200, but the slugging was like some of the best that you know, you've seen. Um, but anyways... I think it, you know it, it's. I can't criticize uh, these kind of small moves by the Guardians because it's better than nothing for them. Because uh, even though they're never really in on the big name free agents, um, they're definitely retooling. They're kind of addressing areas where they think they have some need, um, and so I think I think it'll work out for them. I think that you know. Uh, Naylor will still get his at bats. He's definitely a platoon hitter. He really does not bat against lefties very much. Uh, the numbers aren't very good from that side of the plate, or I guess from that side of the you know the, the mound coming uh, at him as a lefty. So um, he'll still get his, like you said. It could be uh, pinch hitting for corner outfielders, playing first base, playing DH. Bell can play DH or first. Um, I'm sure they're going to make it work just fine, but uh, I think it's a it's a good it's you know so far good moves, especially for their standards of usually having quiet off seasons. And it's funny looking at a guy like uh, like um, Stephen Kwan for them left fielder. He rarely strikes out, but he does not hit many home runs or many extra base hits. And you look at Mike Zanino, he polar opposite. Yeah, <laughs> he hits a lot of home runs, a lot of extra base hits, and strikes out a ton. So it's kind of funny to pair both of those kind of guys together. Um, I don't think they're going to be hitting very uh, very close together in the lineup. I, I would assume Zanina will be hitting more towards that second half, bottom of the lineup. But uh, it, it's funny now. At least it's good to see the Guardians are focusing on some guys that can get some power. Uh, and not just Jose Ramirez driving the ball out of the ballpark. You can depend on some of these other guys to do it. But uh, another team that got some uh, you know additional support and some additional help the Toronto Blue Jays, who I know were targeted on a lot of different free agents, but have struck gold with Kevin Kiermeyer, the gold glove center fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays for so many years. He signs with the Blue Jays one year, $9 million. That will really, uh, you know, re- really bring some nice, uh, some nice defensive outfield glove work to their team with Springer probably moving over to either left field or right. Teoscar is out of Toronto right now with the trade with Seattle. So, Kiermaier and Springer in the outfield, uh, some good defense right then and there. And then, of course, on the starting pitching side, they get Chris Bassett, the uh, the, the Met from last season. He signs, of course, a three-year, $63 million, about $21 million AAV. So Chris Bassett going in a rotation with Gosman, with also um, Alec Manoa. That's a pretty good one, two, three punch right there for for any rotation in in Major League Baseball. So thoughts, I guess, on the Blue Jays and and where you kind of see these moves. They they get a great defensive center fielder, a guy that does not have the best bat, but the Blue Jays have a very good offense already. And then of course getting Bassett to probably be a I, I would assume he might be the number three guy in that rotation. I, I'd have to look at their rotation, but I, I think they're going to go Manoa, Gosman, Bassett, I would assume. But thoughts on the Blue Jays right now? Yeah, so I think that it's a good addition to the rotation, obviously, with Bassett. He's a very solid pitcher. He feels like he's someone who you, you can kind of rely on to be there and be around, and he's you know not one of these guys that is as big of like a, a – they are maybe maybe a uh, smaller upside, but maybe a higher floor than other guys on the free agency, if that makes sense. Um, and then yeah, Kiermaier is someone who you know is just 
I mean, when you think Kiermaier, you think center field defense. Uh, it's just been his, uh, it's just been his, uh, his main focus, I'd say. And and there's lots of funny videos, Travis. I love showing people the John Boy video where Kiermaier like calls off Randy or Rosarena. Um, Rosarena is playing left field. Kiermaier playing center field, and the ball's hit straight to uh, a Rosarena. And Kiermaier like jumps in front of him because he wants to be the guy that throws it home. And he just says, he said in, like the post game, like, uh, people pay me for my defense. Like, like, <laughs> like yeah. th- th- that is yeah. why I am, I am at this level. That's where I get, you know, all these starts and, yep. you know, <sighs> all these awards as well. Yeah. And it, it's because that he has earned it with his defensive play. So I'm sure that it's going to be a huge plus for, you know, that team. Um, oddly enough, they kind of lost the playoffs with, and I'm not blaming this on Springer, of course, but Springer was playing center field, got into a collision with, I think it was Bichette, mm-hmm. um, and that ended up scoring a bunch of runs instead of being a flyout to like in the inning. Um, and the, I'm talking about, of course, the wild card round against Seattle, but, um, you know, Kiermaier maybe makes that play. So, you know, I'm interested to see how he kind of fits into their equation. Um, it always feels like they've kind of could have used a left-handed bat, even though you don't really get Kiermaier for the bat. At least it's a lefty. Um, so there could be a platoon element there where they pinch hit for him um, later in games. I could see that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good fit overall. I really was, I'm kind of, I'm, I, I, I like the Jays in a lot of ways, and I really feel like they could use a bit bigger of an upside move. I, I feel like Kiermaier and Bassett, well, it does give good reinforcements. Um, I'm just not sure that they move the needle from like what you were last year to being in the absolute top tier of the AL, which I feel like they're not that far away from that, but they need to do something a bit bigger for me. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not down on the moves. I just think they could do a bit more and I'd love to see what else they can try to do before the next season starts. It it seemed like the uh, Brandon Nimmo, you know, deal was something like something very nice getting getting a lefty on base machine who plays very good defense just like Kiermaier and is of course going to get on base for some of those big thunder bats yes uh Vladi Guerrero Jr. and Bichette that would have been really nice to start that order off with Nimmo and then possibly Bichette or Springer and then of course have just a very nice transition of these other guys into the lineup so they were on to him for basically when the when the offseason started and then of course the last second the Mets re-signed him back on to a good contract and, and it just seemed like the Blue Jays lost out and then Kevin Kiermaier was basically the last pick to go after and just felt like okay well we got to get good defense let's just go after Kiermaier it's going to be a lot cheaper but um, I, I again he does not move the needle that much more and then Bassett He's definitely a great journeyman so far in his career and has had a outstanding last couple seasons. But does it really help them that much more when you look at a rotation like the Yankees? Now they have Cole and Rodon, Severino, Nestor Cortez. They got some very good pieces right then and there. But does it really help them out that that much? That That's a really good question to ask. Uh, and I will say that they're still... Um... I still think there's good potential for them to make more moves. I'm not going to count them out on that. Um, they obviously have uh, an interesting situation at catcher where they have Alejandro Kirk, who was a big breakout last year. The offense was great. Um, Danny Jansen actually had some of the best numbers for a catcher offensively that didn't actually, he wasn't a starting catcher, yeah. but when he did play, he had, Excuse me, he absolutely mashed the ball. We actually saw him hit a home run at Angel Stadium, I believe. Um, but yeah, we're talking about two really good catchers. And then one of their best 
uh, youngsters is Gabriel Moreno, who plays catcher. He was their number one prospect at one point. Um, I'm not sure if he's still on their prospect rank. He might have graduated from that list, but but he's someone, Travis, who, you know, you have a really high upside prospect. You have two starting caliber catchers all in your system here. It really feels like you could trade either Jansen or Kirk and get something, you know, that could be the kind of trade that you see between two contenders. Like there has to be a contender out there who needs a catcher. You could trade them Jansen or Kirk and then get like either another pitcher. Maybe you want a third outfielder to kind of give more offensive upside because if Springer, you know, I love Springer, but he has an injury risk. If he does get hurt, Teoscar's now gone and Kiermaier is not a really big bat. You really want some more, uh, maybe some more thumpers in the outfield. I could see them trying to address things that way. But, you know, I'm interested to see what they might be able to do um, trying to do one of those catchers. I think it would be in their best interest to do so. Um, just to give the team a bit more depth, more upside at positions besides uh, behind the plate. Yeah, I think before the Omar Navarez deal went down, the Mets would have been a great candidate because now, you know, the Mets have sure. basically James McCann, who has been non-existent since 2019. And then, of course, Francisco Alvarez, which, uh, number one prospect, he should be a very good up-and-coming catcher in the future, maybe not in the next couple seasons. A guy like Kirk or Jansen could be a very nice piece to add for a team like yeah. the Mets. They could give up. I, I would try to think what they would give up for that, but uh, it, it could definitely be a good trade right there. And then, of course, I'm trying to think of some other contenders out there um, I mean, I, I, I know the Astros, they have Martin Maldonado, but it just seems like they could get an improvement at the catcher spot. I mean, imagine if they had Kirk or Jansen in that lineup, the Astros. I mean, you'd be looking at easily probably the best lineup in the American League right then and there. So very true at that. I, I, I totally forgot about the Gabriel Moreno. Moreno. I, I know the Jays were having that discussion, or at least social media was with, they have three above average catchers. It just seems like it's a good problem to have. But it just seems like they could easily ship away one of these guys and be just fine. And then, of course, be seeing, you know, a, a, a very nice return on, uh, on one of those catchers because it catcher is just an interesting position in baseball. You don't have to have a great catcher to have a really good team. But if you do, it's just a plus right then and there. And the Jays have just it just seems like they have a surplus of, ca- of, of just top catching ca- talent right now. They could easily ship one away and get something in return, something valuable that they might need for for, you know, a deeper playoff run. Yeah, and and they're just like one of these. I mentioned it earlier. They're just one of these teams that I think um, is capable of a lot. So I I hope that they can make some bigger moves. I think they should be active in the trade market. Um, there's just a few areas where I feel like you could maybe add more outfield bats. Mm-hmm. Once again, swapping out Teoscar uh, Hernandez for. Uh, bullpen arms I, for just pitching in general. Um, I think it's not a bad move, but you need to make sure that if you know if a guy like Springer does get hurt, Kiermaier also was hurt last year. I feel like the outfield could use a bit more depth there. And um, yeah, the infield, obviously, you got some dumpers in the infield, but um, I would like to see a little bit more going on, especially because that AL East is going to be competitive as it always yep. is. So yep. Yankees are Yankees retooled in a big way, so you're going to want to compete with them. But yes. um, Travis... Can I pick where we go to next? Yeah, since, since go you've, ahead, you've been yeah. you've been kind of you've been kind of <laughs> driving the ship here, and I and you've been doing a great job. But I want to talk a little bit about a team on the West Coast that's made a lot of moves here, and that's the Giants. Obviously, okay. there's a really big name that they signed, and we'll talk about him too. Obviously, Carlos Correa, monster contract, but 
they've really just added depth, depth, depth. They, they added Haniger to reinforce the outfield, Stripling and Manea to reinforce the rotation. Um, Stripling and Manea are both guys who I feel like um, the Giants, their name of the game the last few seasons has not been going and getting the flashy starter. It's been about, hey, let's give Gosman the qualifying offer and boom, he kind of broke out for them. They kind of mm-hmm. they dialed into something special there. Let's give Rodon like a one-year prove-it deal. Boom. Great season. Even guys like Disclafani, guys like Alex Cobb, um, they've been able to get a lot out of these types of guys. Um, guys that aren't really the big name guys off the market, but these are just um, you know, solid MLB dudes that they know that they can kind of, um, they must have some sort of good pitching lab going on over there where they kind of, you know, figure out what these guys uh, can do. But anyways, I think Mane and and Stripling are both these uh, types of pitchers where the Giants can probably get something out of them that they might, uh, their previous teams were failing to do. Mm -hmm. So I think those are good, uh, just depth moves for their starting rotation. Hanager, a good outfield bat. Um, Everyone knew that, you know, he was going to get, he was one of the better, I think, right-handed outfielders on the market. Um, And then, Travis, of course, Carlos Correa. As soon as they missed out on Judge, um, it was weird. I wasn't I wasn't sure. Like some teams, like for example, the Mets, when they miss out on DeGrom, you know they're gonna do something to respond. Yeah. To re- they're gonna respond. Like you said, rage spend. Giants, I I don't I did not have that vibe, right? When they missed yeah. out on Judge, of course. They Judge returned to the Yankees. And and I wasn't sure if the Giants were gonna have that kind of big deal. They just seem like they're gonna go for reinforcements and kind of get some good uh, you know. A little bit above average players. Yep. No, they're going to go and get a superstar in Carlos Correa. Do you have the deal on hand? I know it was 13 yes. years. 13 years, $350 million, the most by any shortstop. So that's about, again, $27 million AAV. That's been the common AAV, I feel like, so far the past week and a half. It's absolutely nuts, Travis, how much um, they dealt for him. But it's 41 com- years old will be his age when the contract officially end so i'm sure he'll be a third baseman by then that's nuts i mean yeah he could be dh at that point we'll see but um one thing that's crazy travis after his best season of his career or actually was right before it right before the best season of his career the astros really offered correa i think it was like five years like was it 150 or something like that it's just just something something disrespectful right and compared to what he made last year with the twins and then what he's and then what he's gonna make the next 13 years i mean it's very much like judge where he bet on himself and he's getting a massive payday he also i will say um is just i think in my opinion he was probably the biggest name of all free agency there's actually I would say Judge is a fair pick, but just playing shortstop like Correa does, I think the consistent war season in, season out is going to be really good when it's and, and, and when he's a, healthy. A, being a complete proven winner. I mean, we've seen this guy hit how many home runs in the playoffs? He's up there, I think, with the all-time list of of MLB players with, with total home runs in the postseason. He's right. a shortstop. I mean, that, that, that's incredible yes. in itself right there. Uh, yeah, and he's obviously just uh, a freak kind of athlete just a great defensive and you know great arm all this kind of stuff we, mm-hmm. we, we could th- we could shower praises, praises on him for a long time but the real point of the matter is um the giants it seemed like for me travis they were just going to do some small things no they went and got kind of a a kind of a pillar right like kind of yes. the guy who's gonna be 
the franchise player for the next decade. And mm-hmm. it's I don't think they're ready to compete right away. I don't think they were in a spot where they were just one superstar away from like, you know, winning the NL West. But I do think that it's a great spot to be at right now where they can build around this player. Obviously, I think they're a smart organization. They're going to keep adding these kind of pitchers, trying to get a lot of out of them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'll, this next generation that we're going to see from them, after, you know, Crawford shifting to third base most likely, um, you know, Belt definitely getting up there in age. I think he, he accepted the qualifying offer. Posey's retired. Longoria, I think, will probably move teams now, I assume, just because yeah. it seems like their infield is kind of filling out. But I... I Based on where I'm at right now in my head, I think the Giants are maybe trying to shift into it the next generation of their team, and I think it's going to be strong with Correa. So I, any other thoughts on that signing? It was obviously shocking to me. I didn't really think they were in the market for him to that level. Yeah, you knew Correa was in talks with the Mets, which just seemed, again, outrageous that the Mets were going to hire this or sign this guy to be a third baseman for the rest of his career. And then, you know, you're looking at a left side infield of Lindor Correa. Just it doesn't seem fair. And then um, it, I think it was the day before that Judge signed with the Yankees. You know, I think at one point it was like 95%. John Heyman tweeted, Judge is on his way to San Francisco. It's a done deal. And everyone's like, oh, my he goodness. Said, he the, said arson judge. Yeah. <laughs> the judge, the Giants have been able to secure um, their their next big outfielder um, for the rest of his career. And, of course, that didn't happen. I think it was the day before that, though. They signed Mitch Hanniger. And everyone was kind of worried. And, and people, of course, on Twitter and, and, and analysts were saying, well, they could easily sign Hanniger and Judge, and you could have one hell of a corner outfield duo for the Giants right then and there. But Hanniger was the first guy that went. And then you started seeing these depth pieces, Stripling, uh, Sean Minaya, these guys coming in, uh, very much like giant moves, like you m- mentioned. Di Sclafani and Cobb last year, I believe Di Sclafani was an extension. And then, of course, Cobb was uh was you know another added piece but just two guys that offered very not stellar top of the rotation a stuff but just very good middle of the rotation guys that and they um, can get they can get a lot of mileage out of those types. yes yes and guys that you can get 150 innings pitched out of those guys and and have eras that are you know below four and you know just have very good uh, underlining numbers but you know you get that in stripling and Manaya, and then of course carlos creo and that dropped it, it was very shocking I, I was looking at teams like you said i was looking at the mets and the cubs teams that kind of wanted to uh, i i i would definitely thought that brandon crawford was going to be their their shortstop for the last season of his contract which is this year coming up but again i i was not expecting correa and the giants to meet on on a deal and to give him that much that that many years 13 years um, it just seemed like the Cubs wanted to give Correa that money. It seemed like uh, the Mets wanted to give him that money. Money. It even seemed like even the Yankees could have been possible players in the Correa market. Who knows? But um, it, it, it definitely is a. Um, it, it's 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 definitely a, a power move from from the Giants and their organization, saying that, like you said, the, the new wave is in. You know, the, the Buster Posey's the the I. I, I don't. I got to look back on Brandon Belt. Last I thought he was a free agent. He, like you said, he might have accepted the qualifying offer. I think but he did. After next year, you basically have Belt, Crawford. You know, Posey's gone. You have that generation most likely gone, not on the Giants anymore. Now you have the new wave. You have Correa, um, and and you, and you have some of these guys, Logan Webb, um, that that are now coming into the system. That are going to, of course, be you know, and Joey Bart coming in and, and being on the team for the next you know five to ten years to come. But. Uh, 
giants. I mean, I, I like you said, I, I don't 100% have them being a, you know, oh, they are a top six team right now in the National League. They play in a very tough division. They play in a very tough league. So it will be, of course, a very good fight. It might be a couple of years before Correa can taste the postseason again. Um, but, I mean, you love the aggressiveness right now and you love what they're doing. And it just gives Dodger fans an extra boost to hate Carlos Correa even more for the rest of his career. It's funny, uh, you know, like you said, one one week ago, Carlos Correa and the Dodgers were being rumored. And then, of course, there was a tweet by, I think, one of the analysts that was saying, or one of the reporters that was saying, Dodger, Dodgers don't have to uh, scare their fans anymore. They've already uh, basically pulled out of the Correa market or the, the, the Correa sweepstakes because they don't want to, um, I think, for lack of better terms, piss off their fans, uh, which, again, would have been really funny because, I mean, I think Dodger fans would have accepted Correa as, you know what? We, we, we're not going to hate you forever, but if you can help us win, then of course we'll, we'll, we'll embrace you. But of course you, you definitely, uh, you definitely pissed us off a couple, a couple years ago, but, uh, giants, they, they of course have a new wave coming in for their system and it's exciting to see, and it'll be fun to see in the future, how it all goes about. But, um, I, again, the Korea move is nice. What I really like is these depth pieces, Ross Tripling, Shamanaya, Mitch Hanniger. It's going to be, I think, very nice fitting into their club, um, for, for the next couple seasons that come, but. Alex, let's kind of move to their rival, and that kind of was transitioning into the Dodgers. The Dodgers have not been very hungry this offseason, I would say. Um, you lose Trey Turner to the Phillies. Uh, Cody Bellinger, of course, is now on the uh, Cubs. Chicago Cubs. We'll cover that in a little more because they made some of their moves as well. But you lose some guys that have been a part of your team for a very, very successful generation. I know Trey Turner, it's only been about two postseasons. He's been on the on, on the roster, but um, they lose two guys right then and there. Uh, as of yesterday, it was made in the news. They they acquired Noah Syndergaard, who, of course, spent last season, uh, about three quarters of last season with the Angels. We got to see a lot of him. And then, of course, made his way to Philadelphia. Had a, um, had, a had a very nice... Uh, you know, last couple months to his season and actually came into some clutch situations in the playoffs. I believe he pitched in the World Series. I think he made a start, right? He, uh, Yeah, he, he definitely did. pitched. He I did. remember he gave up a home run to Pena, <laughs> I think. He did. So uh, Syndergaard, of course, uh, signs a one-year $13 million deal with the Dodgers. Um, their rotation seems like it's complete. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Urias, Gonsolin, Kershaw, Syndergaard. Last guy up, I would assume... It might be Pepio. It might be a couple of these other guys. They might be trying out, but um, they got, of course, four guys now with Urias, Kershaw, Gonsolin, and Syndergaard. So, of course, he's a good death piece, a yeah. three-four guy for, I, for Noah Syndergaard. I expect May to be in that mix too. I would assume. So, yeah. I mean, I, they definitely. I think it was Dustin May, yeah, who I saw on a projected list earlier today. Yeah, and the Dodgers—they're in a spot, Travis, where it's really funny. I, I have a quick question for you that I just kind of came up with. It feels like the Dodgers, as, as we have observed last year, they can bring in these guys like Keeney, like Tyler Anderson, make these tweaks and really get the most out of them, right? It feels like they can make a lot out of a little, right? Yeah. And they, I'm saying that as if they don't already have Urias and Kershaw, who are two aces in the top of their rotation. It feels like they can get the most out of the guys at the bottom of the rotation. So let me tell you this. Who do you think is going to have the better like ERA plus numbers the Dodgers or the Yankees? The Yankees have the flashy Garrett Cole and Rodon at the top of the rotation. They still have really good depth, I would say, with Nestor, who just broke out, but maybe he has a little mm -hmm. bit of regression. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Um, they lose Tyone. They're going to have Severino, I think, in that mix, who 
has had some injuries in the past couple seasons. And then who am I forgetting as their uh, – is it going to be Montes maybe? It, I, yeah, I, I would I would assume so. I think he's still on the team, right? Yeah. That, 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 that contract right. hasn't expired. Right. So um, my thought here, Travis, is who is going to have the better starting pitching staff between the Yankees and Dodgers? Because Dodgers, it just feels like – even though the names might not be that flashy, we're, we're talking about they might bring up a rookie like Pepio or yep. Bobby Miller um, to give some depth. You know, Gonsolin and May both were hurt last year. Kershaw always gets hurt every year, but it just feels like they managed to be better than everybody else. So, do you think that's going to continue this year, or, or how, how do you see how, yeah, do you, how it, you see it coming? Yeah, of course, I'll probably lean um, towards the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> I think they have a, a more of a pitcher friendly ballpark than the Yankees do. Um, it just seems like. Garrett Cole at times or other pitchers have given up these, uh, you know, broken bat. I, I won't say broken bat, but just off the end of the bat home runs that uh, you almost can't believe on some of those left and right field porches. But I'll probably lean more towards the Dodgers. It is an interesting question because next year there is going to be no shift involved in baseball. So it, it'll be fun to see how certain players take advantage of that, how pitchers have to adjust to that. The, uh, the bases will be bigger. Um, and some of the some of the rule changes, but I don't think that'll be too much of a uh, a crazy you know increase in some of these numbers. Maybe in stolen bases, stolen bases might go up, but uh, I, I would lean a little bit towards the Dodgers, which is just crazy to think because you know Syndergaard, Kershaw, Urias, and uh, and and Gonsolin and, and Dustin May, a um, couple of those guys are really good starting pitchers and guys that will be you know good for a really long time. Syndergaard, Kershaw. Are they more towards their back end of their career? Do they really have a lot still left in the tank? You know, with Kershaw, usually has some sort of nagging injury sometime during the season. Syndergaard, we saw a huge, huge amount of velo drop last year. I think he had a fastball that was like riding in at 92 miles an hour, and that was definitely a concern as an Angels fan. Um, and it almost, it almost was wondering, you know, will he be able to to adjust and, and, and make his uh, – and to change his pitches and, and to maybe make some of those off-speed pitches a little bit stronger. But – uh, I, I'm still going to lean Dodgers again, Alex. They they just have a way to figure things out and to make guys look like superstars. I mean, last year, going into the season, Alex. I mean, you told me I think or you know we were looking at it. Tyler Anderson. I mean, we we, saw, we didn't really see much of him with when he when he was on the Mariners, and and it didn't seem like he was that impressive. And then Andrew Heaney. We, we've seen years and years of Andrew Heaney good pitcher now does he have those kind of numbers that can last I, I don't know I think it was like a 310 ERA last year um it, it was just surprising to see all these guys that uh guys that we just did not make too much of have unbelievable seasons and of course Urias has the best ERA in all of the National League and uh Kershaw a very good ERA did not have that many innings pitched but a very good ERA it was just again. It was, it was beautiful work by the Dodgers. Uh, you know, prospects coming up and fulfilling the job, and then also some of these guys really fine tuning their stuff and fixing um, fixing their 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 repertoires and, and the way they go about pitching. It, it again, it, it's incredible. B- bit of a Mark Pryor masterclass yes, there. Yes, just a yes. bit of a some sort of crazy lab going on. I think we need some investigations. And, and that's what's cool to have is when you got a guy like Mark Pryor, someone that was on the verge of having an excellent career. I think injuries really signed, sidelined him. But you have him being your pitching coach. I, I look at some of these other teams, and I, I, you know where I'm getting at with, with one team we'll, you know, we're fans of. But you know, our, our pitching coach is a guy that didn't really last too much you know, in the major leagues or didn't have a successful career. When you got a guy like Mark Pryor who – you know, for a couple of seasons was a dominant all-star. 
uh, you know, surging up into becoming one of the best pitchers in baseball. That, that's really nice to have. I will I will mention as well for being uh, on the Dodgers, you know, pitching side of things. Yeah, I totally agree, Travis. And I would probably do the same thing. I would probably lean towards the Dodgers. Just they've just kind of earned the respect. I think they've earned the good track record of uh, the benefit of the doubt. Essentially, I can feel like I can trust them to you know put together. Um, they they can make things work for them even when guys get hurt, even when uh, things don't go their way. So I expect them to have a really good pitching rotation next year, Travis. But Thor was their only real addition so far. I'm sure they'll make more moves down the road. Yes. They made the Freeman deal, the Betts deal, the Bauer deal. All those deals happened at, towards the end of the offseason. Also, right now, they're in the whole legal thing with Bauer trying to figure out how much money they owe him. And that affects how much money they can spend. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they have lots of things going on. I expect them to still be active. One thing I will say though, Travis, is a lot of the biggest names are gone, right? They are. They are uh, gone. There's like Danes be left, and like that's kind of like yeah. after that, like the biggest names are like Evaldi and like more like guys who you'd view as depth versus yeah. like the stars. But Dodgers, I I just I just can't worry about them. No, like like exactly. I just cannot possibly. I'm sure Dodger fans are worried and they want to like get more players, and I get that. But for me, it's like they're just gonna be good. Like they're just too smart and too well run, and they are. Um, they they'll are. make trades. They'll figure it out. They but. are, and, and they acquired two other guys that are very under the radar. JP Fireisen was acquired in a trade from the Rays. He was a guy, Alex, 24 innings or so last season, zero ERA, got I, hurt before the All Star game. I, I think the Rays DFA'd him. They did, which they is did just I, like I was looking it up today, and they DFA'd him to make room for uh, Zach, Zach Eflin. Eflin. Which again, you, it just nuts to DFA. You traded for this guy in the Willie Adamas deal he was immediately your best reliever in the bullpen yes got hurt I think he's gonna miss a lot of next season if not all of it which is probably a reason why they decided to DFA him they didn't see like the long-term fit but it's just crazy how he was your best pitcher for the first half of last year and all of a sudden it's like oh, okay like we're gonna let you go for nothing pretty much and you were half of the return for Adamas I believe I picked him up in fantasy weeks before the injury but it, it, it was looking nice you know just with the numbers i i mean i i was i think we were talking about him last year as our our fir- our our all mlb first half team we had like our our bullpen and, and some of those guys i mean he was unbelievable so he was acquired in a trade this past week and then one of the first moves they made uh earlier in the week was uh jason hayward jason hayward who i think was just let go i don't know if he was dfa'd by the cubs or if he finished out his contract. They let him the go in some way, yeah. He, he had an atrocious contract the Cubs gave him, I think, back in like 2016 that was just not, not aging well. Uh, and and the Cubs had to let him go and get him out of there. Very strong with his defense. He's always been defensive, kind of a, a first outfielder. Had good contact kind of back in his day. Decent power, but it's all kind of fell off. The Dodgers acquired Jason Hayward on a minor league deal. Alex, again, he's the kind of guy that I would almost bet on having a rebounded season and, and he could put something of value together, almost like a three war type of season. Someone that maybe that could be like a very, a very good equal to a guy like Cody Bellinger almost. I, I could see him platooning with Trace Thompson. Um, I could see him platooning with uh with Chris Taylor. There's a lot of guys I could see him platooning with if he at all gets up to the major league level. I'm sure in spring training they'll give him a shot. But those are the three guys the Dodgers, uh, you know, have have acquired through either trades or minor league or major league deals. Very under the radar. Alex, I'll say it again. Everybody, of course, is whispering in, in the world in the baseball world. They're just saving for Otani next season. 
Um, we'll get into that, of course, with you know our, our judgments on how the Angels are treating this offseason with the moves they've made or the moves they still have to make. But um, I will say the Dodgers, it, it does look like they are saving lots and lots of money for a potential huge um, you know, 2023 offseason. Uh, and if Otani is available, I'm sure they'll be uh, one of the first teams in line to make that bid and to hopefully not get outbid by any other team. That's what I would definitely think about if, if I was in the Dodgers front office. But uh, do you by chance see any any correlation or anything interesting or weird about them not spending a lot of money this offseason with that guy looming in, uh, in, in one year? I think it makes sense. I think it's not... I don't think it's like this big conspiracy, like they're doing this for this reason. Mm-hmm. I think it just kind of, uh, it's just, they're just doing what, they're just analyzing things as they go and they say, okay, you know, these shortstops are going for too much money mm-hmm. kind of thing. They don't want to pay one of those guys that much. Okay, let's keep moving here. Okay, let's see. Okay, let's get Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. All right, this bullpen piece, cool. I think they're just kind of taking it step by step and they, I think they know that like, They've spent a lot of money the last few seasons. They're really okay being over the luxury. If they need to pay like that that CB tax, the collective bargaining tax, they can they can do that. Maybe they want to take one season where they just don't spend the most in all of baseball. They'll let the Mets be that team yeah. this year, and then they'll they'll try to do it. They'll try to take the number one spot over again right afterwards with signing Otani or or someone else. But I do think that that's part of their overall game plan. And, and I really wonder about. If they view their prospects, guys like Michael Bush, guys like is it is it Miguel Vargas? Um, yeah, they have Vargas. Some, they have a guy named Jorbit Vivas. They have yep. uh, yeah, they have Pages. They, I mean, there's a lot of guys coming up. Obviously, Lux. You're hoping to kind of become a bit more of a yep. of a star. You'd hope. Yeah, I I really wonder if they view some of these successful teams over the past postseason, the Padres, the Phillies. Um, I think also a little bit of the Astros, but they, of course, make sneaky moves here and there. But I I think they view these teams as the organizations that have just really been driven on letting their prospects develop. And then, of course, they, of course, will succeed in the postseason. I know a lot of people were upset, the Dodgers, that, you know, they, of course, acquired Trey Turner, even though Trey Turner was great in the playoffs. But they looked at the Astros and Jeremy Pena and they said, where's our Jeremy Pena or where's our a uh, young prospect guy that can come up and be impactful right away. Now, of course, Jeremy Pena is a diamond in the rough where, you know, you can't get that from every team. You can't get that right. prospect that out of the blue, the the first two months, he's the rookie of the year runaway, Alex. We saw that. And then, of course, in the postseason, finished off that strongly. I mean, you don't get a guy that wins the American League Championship Series and the World Series MVP every single season. That, that was just an incredible play by Jeremy Pena. But I wonder if they're looking at that sort of aspect of the organization and maybe focusing more on these younger guys, Lux, uh, Pages, uh, Bush, Vargas, some of these other guys that can hopefully be impactful in their upcoming seasons to come. And then, of course, still being active in the free agency and trade market. But just wanted to cover the Dodgers really quickly. They're definitely um, lurking in the shadows. I can definitely see them possibly gearing up for a big move or a big trade possibly coming this offseason. I would not be surprised. But let's now, of course, transition. I I, I have an idea. Oh, yes. Go. I have a little g- a game we can say. Which which mid-starting pitcher, Travis, is going to be the best next year? <laughs> which mid? Okay. And, and this is not meant to be insults to them. These are all great, you know, great 
uh, you know, top. They're some of the best pitchers in the world. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, are looking at everybody, but amongst amongst some of the free agents, these are kind of the middle of the pack guys who um, everyone's kind of saying, "Oh, if we got this guy, it'd be pretty good. It's mm-hmm. a good depth rotation yeah. piece." So, which of these guys is gonna have the biggest impact on their teams next season? We're gonna go. Taiwan Walker is signing with the Phillies. Yeah. We have Jamison Tyone to the Cubs. Yeah. Andrew Heaney to the Rangers. We have Ryan Yarbrough to the Royals and Michael Lorenzen to the Tigers. Which of those pitchers <laughs> will have the biggest impact next season? Go. You yeah, you threw in some uh some fun names to to guys that are going to I wouldn't I, I'm not gonna say awful teams, but just teams you I mean, probably don't want to be a part yeah, of. The Royals, Royals Tiger, Tigers, yeah. Right now. Um, yeah. I, I'm probably going to just lean Taiwan Walker. Um, I, I think he can definitely learn a lot and, and really reflect off of Zach Wheeler and uh, Aaron Nola. And um, I, I think he can, it can elevate his game. We saw him for a couple times in the, uh, in the New York Mets system. There were months where he was dominant and there of course were months where it wasn't going so well, but I will lean Taiwan Walker just for the fact that I think that the team around him will motivate him to, of course, uh, you know, be very successful in that, you know, like you said, mid to the rotation starting pitching. I don't think it's any insult to Tywin Walker that he's a mid rotation guy. I mean, when you look at Nola and Wheeler ahead of you, you got to say, well, hats off. I mean, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be a top of the rotation guy on 10 teams that are not playoff contenders, but I want to go to the playoffs. I'll be a mid rotation guy, but I think Tywin Walker will definitely have um, the, the, the most success. I would say Heaney uh, again, Heaney's pitching with some very good starting pitchers in terms, you know, of, Jacob DeGrom, of course, um, he'll be with John Gray. He'll be with Martin Perez. Uh, but, you know, I think that Heaney, Heaney's playing in a very tough division. And also I look at the ballpark too. I'd have to look back at his, his career playing against the Rangers or playing in that ballpark. I don't know if he actually, I actually don't know if he's played in that ballpark very often. Cause I think he only had 2020 right. where he was with the angels, but um, he, of course, I'm not, insanely high that he'll be you know dominant dominant and then of course uh jameson tyon um we'll see who who he he, he could be the Cubs are just hard to judge right they, they're, they're hard to judge I, I don't really know what to make of it they've been so in on some high high level uh free agents and then of course it just doesn't pan out for them so it, it's it's interesting to see exactly how um how of course that all translates and everything but um who you got um yeah i I'm thinking, I'm thinking Heaney. I don't know. I, I part of that is me trying to go against the the common pick, which yeah. I mean, I think if you did like a Twitter poll on this, it's probably like a lot of people would say Walker. Mm-hmm. I'm just not super high on the Walker pick. I think that there's some underlying numbers that you know. I mean, he had a three four nine ERA, which is not bad last year, and some of the numbers are looking pretty solid, but. Um, He's not really a strikeout guy in a big way. He can get the strikeout ball going, but he's not one of these like Rodon, like power pitcher types. And I really feel like they should have gone for a strikeout pitcher considering their defense. You know, you really want guys that are going to not put the ball in play, you know, because the defense has been pretty poor. Maybe the defense goes a step up this year with, you know, you have Stott and Trey Turner in the middle infield all season. You hope Marsh probably getting a lot of center field time for defensive purposes. So maybe the defense takes a step up. But I think the corners are still pretty weak, both in the infield and the outfield defensively. So, you know, I feel like uh, a guy like Walker, who I'm not, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a pitch to contact guy, but um, I wouldn't say he's a really power strikeout guy either. Um, so I don't know if I love the fit. I really wish they went and just got like Rodon or someone who was like, 
a bit of a bigger fish pitcher, but oh, I mean, I, I mean, imagine Rodon, Nola, and Wheeler. It'd be it'd be so, it'd be a true big three, and yeah, and yeah, I, I I was skeptical, and that division's hard to pick who's going to win because the Braves still have a great team, and of course the Mets just retooling every year, and also the Phillies. But I feel like if you got Rodon and the Phillies, I mean, and you also got Trey Turner, I mean, how could you not look at them and say they are easily the best team in the National League East right now with that rotation and and the youth and the power that all those guys have? I mean, like you said. I, I would actually agree with you. When you looked at the free agency market and you looked at DeGrom and Verlander and Rodon, a lot of people would say, oh, DeGrom or Verlander are, of course, the best picks to go after. Now, of course, DeGrom, we both agree, is the best pitcher right now. But who's going to be the best investment for the duration of the contract? I think Rodon is the best duration you know, investment right there because he's sure. still young and he's going to give you, I think, better, uh, more innings pitched, uh, more time off of the I.L., and I, I, I just I'm liking that a little bit more. But Rodon, if he would have went to the Phillies, Alex, that that right there, I think would have almost been almost a lock right there for looking at the Phillies to win the National League East. It would have been a, a much a much more competitive and, and, and fun, uh, you know, uh, National League East to look at. I, I would just feel bad, of course, for the Marlins and the Nationals. They would have to easily look at years down the road to compete. But yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't want to, you know, there's still something. There's still some good things, I think, with some of the other guys we mentioned, like guys like Lorenzen, guys like um, who else did I have here? Like Yarbrough. Like there's upside with these guys, right? And and Yarbrough would be a guy I actually would be really confident saying it it could probably be him. As the best? Yeah, just because. There's a chance for sure, yeah. He's been in the race system. He's had very good numbers. He could possibly be going. And you look at Kansas City. That is a total pitching ballpark. And, I mean, it's tough to hit home runs out of there. So, I, I, I could look at that and say he will be a, a great pitcher in limiting the home run balls. Now, um, you know, playing for a team like the Royals, is that is that something that could, you know, hurt his chances or elevate his chances? Who knows? I don't know how pitchers really take that whole entire psychological thing into effect, but um, it, it would be an it'd be it'd be a low uh, it, it would be an underlining kind of person to go after under the radar guy to look at. Yeah, uh, Travis, where should we talk about next? Well, the one team I wanted to point out, and uh, this is a team, Alex, that I guess made a lot, almost almost more impressive bids for Judge and Trey Turner, but for some reason didn't get those kind of guys. Yep. Um, I'm talking about the San Diego Padres. First off, I'll point out, they, of course, sign Xander Bogarts, the star Red Sox shortstop, he is now making his way from Boston to Southern California to play for the San Diego Padres and finish out his career as a San Diego Padre, most likely 11 year deal, $280 million. It's about a 26 mil AAV contract. Um, first off, I'll ask you thoughts on the deal getting Xander Bogarts. And now we can easily assume Tatis will be an outfielder for probably we can assume, yeah. the rest of his career, unless he he is not happy with this deal and it's it's a lot of questions in this one question Alex I'd say how do you feel about the Xander Bogarts deal do you think Tatis now can possibly become a trade option um that's my next question and then the last question I'll ask is what do you make of all the rumors in the news of the Padres outbidding the Yankees outbidding the Phillies on their big guys I'm talking about Aaron Judge and I'm talking about Trey Turner these high profile free agents everything we've heard of the Phillies gave more money to both these guys to sign with them they of course decided to either go back to the team they played for or go back home and play for the east coast that was Trey Turner but 
those are the three questions I'm asking you. Let's start off with Xander Bogarts. How do you feel about that move? Yeah, Charles, you kind of just asked me like an AP question, like FRQ, like <laughs> yes, free yeah. response, like parts A through E, like yeah. answer all and like give. How them. is that going to result into this and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. And, and, but but I, I will answer it um, very, very specifically. It's a good move, obviously. I think that adding Xander Bogarts is going to help their offense. Um, he's not known for his defense, but I still think it's a good fit there. Um, I, I really think it adds a good amount of versatility. I can see some days where Xander might even DH and they'll use Kim for defensive purposes mm-hmm. at shortstop with Cronenworth playing some second base. I can see other days they'll switch over, maybe Cronenworth playing first, maybe Kim playing second, Bogarts playing short, You know, maybe Tatis center field. They can really get creative here. Machado probably is going to be a staple at third base, but mm-hmm. I think all the other guys can move around a little bit. Um, there's definitely a world, I think, where you get more more value with Kim at shortstop versus, and then with Bogarts at second base. I don't think they're going to do that that much. I remember Boris had a quote before the signing saying Xander will be playing shortstop. He kind of said it yeah. almost like, almost like a threat. Like, yeah, like the decisions you, made. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So if you sign him, you better Boris. be pre- better be prepared for that. But, um, I think that I think that's a great move. I think it's going to help them. I'm very surprised that guys like judge and Trey Turner, um, that neither of them took their Padres deal. And like you said, the reports were that the Padres offered them significantly more than the teams they ended up signing with. Um, and the, it's not like it's not like it's some bum team that, that's offering it. It's a team that just made the NLCS. We're talking about a team that made the NLCS without their franchise player in Tatis. He will be back next season pretty early in the year. So yeah. um, it for those reasons, it seems like a free agent destination where people would want to come. But um, I think for the meantime, uh, going settling, you know, settling, quote unquote, for Xander Bogarts is definitely a great place to be as the as a team. And I think that they're going to still be really good next year. Um, my, my thought, honestly, Travis, my 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 biggest thought on Bogarts is actually still with Boston. I think that um, I I mean, I don't want to I feel like I'm out on Boston every year and I don't want to sound like I'm a Boston it's, hater. I, I want to cover them later on, um, but it's it, to me, it's not looking good right now for Boston. So I I, I, I would agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like that with, you know, losing that bat. I mean, it's a great addition for the Padres, but I, I, I feel like they um, it's just a, it's just like the, another guy they're letting go. Right. They, they definitely, in my opinion, they lost a championship piece. And, and, and the Bogarts Devers left side was the championship piece. And they, of course, let that slip. Um, and then we'll, of course, now see with Devers. I I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, it just feels like Devers yeah. won't retire a Red Sox. It feels like it's unlikely. It, it's, it, it just seems like is it is it shame the the I think it, I actually I, th- I I looked into this. I John think, it, Henry I, think it's pro- I think it's pronounced Heim. <laughs> I think he's Jewish. I think that's, I'm being serious. Are you, you think it's Heim? I, I think it is pronounced Heim. Huh. OK. I guess we've been getting you wrong for the past I, couple I, of years. I, I don't know how to speak Hebrew. I'm not good at that pronunciation. Maybe he's not even Jewish. Maybe I'm just making stuff up. But either, <laughs> but either way, I'm almost positive it's Heim Bloom. But either way, Travis, um, he's trying to run the team like the Rays, I think. But the thing is, you have a bigger budget than the Rays. The Rays have a tiny budget. The Red Sox, I mean, their ownership group, even though I would say their ownership group is, is dropping the ball in a big way by not trying to extend bets, mm-hmm. not trying to extend Bogarts, um, it's really weird. And Travis, they dropped kind of this oddball contract for um, Yoshida. I want to make sure I get his first name right here so mm-hmm. I don't just butcher it. It's uh, Masataka Yoshida, yes. outfielder, had really good on-base numbers in the Japanese league. 
Um, there's a little bit of power component there, but it's kind of just like a, a decent contact while still having really good um, play discipline. So we'll see how it translates to the MLB level. One of my Japanese roommate friend who I have from college, I always kind of, he's my insider for Japanese talent. I always ask him, you know, how good is this guy? And he, he kind of tells me like the scoop. He said that, you know, a lot of uh, Japanese hitters, they struggle with the MLB fastball, the, the high, the high heat fastball. Um, who did we see last year on the Cubs? That was, uh, Seiya Suzuki. Yeah. And he had a first two weeks was MVP numbers, but right. quickly went downhill. And I think the fastball is tough for him. Yeah, I th- and I think that that's a guy who I think he will figure it out. It might take some time, but there are these Japanese players. I think like a guy like uh, Sutsugo, Yoshi uh, Sutsugo, I think his yeah. name is. He was yeah. a Ray. I think he was even a Dodger for a short amount of time. Yes, now yeah. he's a pirate. Um, some of the contact numbers for him are pretty poor. I think he probably had trouble with that fastball too. Some guys obviously figure it out and are great at it. But yeah, like um, Shohei Otani, right? Because he he can hit a Dylan Cease fastball. I think I think he's good with a fastball. Yeah, 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 I think he's not too worried. But uh, we'll see how uh, Masataka Yoshida stacks up. I mean, we're talking about an adding an outfielder, and he got paid a really decent amount, and it really Brandon Nimmo money. <laughs> it really feels like so you're gonna give this guy all the money, but not Bogart, the guy who's definitely more proven at the MLB yes, level. Yeah. he's proven in the states. Uh, what he can do um and he plays a more valuable position than corner outfield we're talking about a shortstop here with an elite bat so i mean an outfield of probably kike hernandez uh yoshida and Verdugo. And, uh, yeah alex verdugo it's not bad but it's not like uh i wouldn't say it's mashers out there yeah. and then losing bogarts i've heard rumors of maybe using arroyo in the middle infield so if we're talking like an arroyo with story middle infield you know devers dalbeck you know it's not mm-hmm. bad but i i think it's I th- and then I think JD, I even heard Swanson too. Yeah, JD is still a free agent as well, which yeah. I feel like they probably don't keep him. You know, who knows? But I, I'm just I'm just a little bit low on the Red Sox right now after all this. We're, we're already low on the on the starting pitching side. I would definitely say. Yeah, and, and they they did they did had some bullpen uh, reinforcements. I know they got Jansen among yep. some other Chris pieces. Martin. Yeah, right. So there's good things. There's things to like, and you know I think they could definitely still shock us all. But I I I'm a bit down on, on where they are right now. But um. Any other thoughts on them? I, I like the quick, uh, you know, recap. I, I had a thing on the Red Sox, but I'm glad we talked about them right there because it was part, kind of a part of that Xander Bogarts. Uh, I ruined your flow. <laughs> I have a scheduled list, Alex, and, and we have just been. We got to get going, Travis. I, 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 it's good the that list. we talked about it. It's good we talked about it, though. But it, it's it's funny to see uh, Yoshida get Brandon Nimmo AAV type money. When you look at it, five years, $90 million. And then, of course, Kenley. Another another you know year where he's going to get paid uh, you know not long term he's going to be getting one or two year deals for the rest of his career probably after this he'll get one year deals but two years thirty two million dollars uh, I think he, last year he got one year sixteen mil from the Bra- from the Braves and it's basically the same AAV of course for Kenley Jansen um, so Red Sox they could have a pretty pretty good bullpen um, again we don't know exactly what we're going to get from the starting pitching side what sales really going to bring. Uh, there's a lot of question marks for the Boston Red Sox right now. And people are even saying, could they possibly even be the worst team in the, in the American Lake East? It, it's almost looking like that because the Orioles are probably only going to get better uh, unless they were to land a guy like Dansby Swanson, which I have heard there are rumors that they could land him. But it, it just seems like it, maybe if it's, if it's just significantly uh, a smaller deal that you get Swanson, but it just seems like Bogarts and Swanson were both kind of the same level kind of talent. Um, we'll see, of course, but uh, Red Sox, there are a lot of question marks. But going back to the Padres, I know you talked about Bogarts and you kind of talked about 
uh, Trey Turner and and Judge. Do you? I mean, would you even think the Potters would even explore a Tatis trade? Yeah. Do, do you think Tatis could get upset about this and say, "I am"? A, he had that one thing with the All MLB plaque that he held up that one time in a video on Twitter, and it was just like. Um, it, it was something about like, will you ever move to another spot? And he was like shaking his head, like, no, I'm a shortstop. And so, I mean, could that open the door for a possible, okay, Padres are going to let go Tatis and trade him away to an organization, which I mean, talk about a win right there if an organization got him. Do you think Tatis could at all possibly be leaving the Padres? It's for sure possible. I think, uh, it won't happen this year. It'd be really surprising if it yeah. happened this year, but I think it's definitely possible. They offered him a huge contract and he definitely earned every penny of it, um, with his play, but off the field, it's been an issue with the motorcycle injuries. There's been multiple apparently than the PEDs, you know, I'm still someone who likes to give people the benefit of the doubt, maybe to a fault. I, I do think that he wasn't trying to cheat at baseball. Yeah. I think he was probably trying trying to use oh, uh, ringworm, right? Trying well, to cure. I, I Travis, I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I have a little like dry spot of skin on my eyebrow and I went to the doctor and they gave me a, like a cream I can put on it. And I, it's a, it's a steroid cream. Yeah. So you're banned 80 games. So would I, if I was in MLB, would I get banned 80 games yeah. for that? I think like, I'm not sure what's in the cream, but there's I, definitely a chance yeah. that like that's how it works. You know, no, I'm not, no, exactly. I I I like, I 100 agree with that. That there are definitely players in countries. You know, I don't want to say anything. You know, it you know it could be in America too, but like there's just some doctors who might not be fully aware of the situation, and some players who might not think too hard about it yes. and make that mistake. You know, so I don't want to say. Um, that every steroid guy's off the hook, but you know there are definitely some guys where I think it's an accident. Yes. In this in this day and age of baseball, so um, either way, if you hate Tatis or love him, I do think that there's um, an argument to say maybe they want to try to extend Soto instead, deal Tatis, have someone else take up that money, um, and then you kind of have your core of Bogarts, uh, Soto, Machado. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I think that deep down for me, I. I I don't know. I guess I'm maybe I'm an optimist. I think that they should try to make it work, mainly because of the talent there and, and what he meant to the city when he was uh, being the superstar that he was yep. just a couple seasons ago. You he know. brought them up. Yeah, and he he's the one who really kind of delivered it. And, and, and the big thing is for me, Travis, they did make it to the NLCS without him, which makes you think, you know, if he just wasn't reckless and if he was able to kind of be there for the team, what could they have accomplished? And, you know, they're always going to kind of have that what if probably. But I do think that they're going to figure it out with him. And he's such a talented player. I really think yeah. that he's going to fulfill um, a lot of the expectations that, that are on his shoulders right now. I think when you go to a Potters game, 90% of the ballpark has Tatis jerseys on. I, I mean, I think he is their, he's their poster child. He's their, he's their guy. He, he's the guy that basically built this, um, this up and coming dynasty for the Padres. I think he was a rookie in like 2019 or 18, but, um, he has been a star ever since, but, uh, cover the Padres. We pretty much covered the Phillies with Taiwan Walker. I, I have another question. Yeah. Okay. Can I keep interrupting your flow? Question or games? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I, I, have, I have a little game for us here, Travis. <laughs> which which catcher deal is going to prove? I was just getting the, there. The, oh my the, god! <laughs> the most impactful. Wilson Contreras signed to the Cardinals, which mm-hmm. is of course replacing Yadier Molina. I think it's going to be a great improvement for their offense. Or Sean Murphy, of course, traded in a three-way trade between the A's, the Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. He is finding himself on the Atlanta Braves. 
um, right in the middle of their order, probably a great addition. Um, they are losing uh, Willie, William Contreras, who is going to be yes. joining his brother in the NL Central as a brewer. But Sean Murphy Travis will be for sure the everyday starting catcher for the Braves. They have Darno still there as uh, depth, as backup. But the big question, which will prove to be a better and more important for their team addition? Will it be uh, Wilson Contreras or will it be Sean Murphy? In terms of money, um, I think Sean Murphy easily wins that because he's the a value. free agent in 2026. And, of course, I, I'm I'm positive that uh, – Are they going to extend him for like I, I was 25 say, years was like the rest say, of their team? I, I think it's Anthopolis, right? Yeah. Anthopolis will extend him for probably eight years and and basically give him like an eight-year, 100-mil uh, contract and just say like, yeah, you, you want to be uh, uh, brave for the rest of – you know, it's all 2032 with Austin Riley and all these other guys and, and Michael Harris and Strider. But – um, in terms of I mean, money, Sean Murphy, but I, I actually will go, um, I, I think for the, for the next couple seasons, I think I will go Wilson Contreras. I, I like the way Wilson Contreras, I like his game. I, I, I like the, um, I, I, I like the defense. It, it just almost a, a second coming of Yadier Molina with, with throwing out base runners and having that electric arm, um, and offense as well, being a very good offensive catcher definitely is going to fit very well into that Cardinals lineup. Um, it just seemed like Yachty was kind of holding them back over the last couple of seasons. And, and with mm-hmm. these extensions they were getting, um, Wilson Contreras is going to be a very nice fit. It's funny going from the rival Cubs to St. Louis for five years. But um, in terms of in terms of money, I'll go with Sean Murphy. But I just think for the next couple of seasons, I think Wilson Contreras will be a, a nicer fit. But I, I think Sean Murphy will be a great catcher in his career. Um, when you look back at, you know, in 20 years, Sean Murphy will be a great catcher. And I'm sure the Braves will be looking to possibly extend this guy uh, for for 10 or so years. It seems like he's always giving giving you about a three-war kind of season, which is definitely very nice to see from a catcher. Not going to be a great, great offensive, um, you know, juggernaut kind of guy but he's just going to provide you very good quality defense behind the plate and some good power numbers but that's kind of how i'll go about that it, it, it was excellent going right into that alex i was going right into the cardinals and wilson Contreras, and of course the trade for the Braves. so we kind of covered that easily right then and there who who would you pick for uh between those two yeah i think that murphy's the better catcher and he's also cheaper um that's where i'm at at least yes. I, yep. I think that murphy i mean Different people have different opinions, and some people might be overrating him, saying he's like a top two, top three catcher in baseball. I'm not quite there. Which but one? Murphy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but but I I think that I think that you know so some of the people on Twitter I see like really are um giving him a lot of praise, which he deserves. Um, but I I probably have him somewhere on like the four through six like range for yeah. like catchers. Yeah. And Wilson Contreras, I would I would personally say that he's a tier below. I I, I like. I yeah. like Murphy's uh, discipline, and and they both are kind of these workhorse types where they're yeah. playing like a really almost all their teams' games. I think Murphy was like the workhorse of all catchers. He played like I forget the number of games, like one thirty or something, like really out there contributing constantly for mm-hmm. his team, mm-hmm. even DHing when he wasn't catching. So, um, you know, I, I really like the deal for the Braves. I will just kind of throw out there that the Brewers kind of got in on the deal for like no reason. Like it was just kind of crazy how it cost them nothing and they just got like two players for giving up one prospect. But, you know. And, I, and, the, and the A's get uh, 
I think Travis. Here's the other thing. I think the A's. I don't even know who they got. They were Kyle da- Mueller. They, they, they were dangling Murphy for a couple seasons now, and this is the deal they got. I don't know anyone that was going back yeah, to them. How did yeah, you not get yeah. like a top hundred or top fifty prospect in yeah. baseball for this I, guy? I know Guardians were in on Sean Murphy. I know the Cardinals. I think were in on Sean Murphy and a couple other teams that were were playoff contenders looking for that uh, up and coming star catcher that was very cheap for the next couple of years. And Sean Murphy was the guy, and it just was funny that the Braves landed him, and the A's are just—they're just getting nobody in these in these trades. I mean, I mean, who was last year? It was it was Pache going from uh, the Braves to Oakland uh, for Olson, and um, he didn't have very strong seasons before that. And people were thinking maybe he could, of course, come in, but uh, we'll have to see what happens there. And the last. Lower radar moves that we had to cover, of course, to finish up the podcast. Alex, the Cubs, you know, we kind of touched on Jamison Tyon getting a four-year, $68 million deal. And then, of course, Cody Bellinger making his way from L.A. to the north side of Chicago. He'll be playing center field for them, a one-year, 17.5 mil deal that was finalized. Uh, That, of course, for the Cubs. Also, the Twins acquiring catcher Christian Vasquez, three years, 30 mil. Seems kind of like a lot. I agree. Uh, $10 million a season for just a contact-driven catcher. And he uh, feels very different from Sanchez, who they have. Is Sanchez a free agent? He is a free agent, Okay, yes. so yeah, he, they, they swapped out for a guy with no contact and all the power for a guy with no power and all the contact. Yes, yes. And then finally, to wrap things up, we talked about last week uh, in the last podcast with the Orioles acquiring Kyle Gibson. Well, now, of course, they acquire Adam Frazier, uh, super utility guy, Adam Frazier, contract, contact driven. He gets a one year, eight million dollar deal. Um, some again, under the radar deals, nothing too crazy about them. Teams that doesn't really help them get over the hump when it terms in terms of getting them to the postseason next year. Um, I'm assuming that the Cubs probably made the best uh, the, the, the best signings out of all of them. Uh, Tyon could become a very high quality starting pitcher in the middle of the rotation. Bellinger, who knows? He could be uh he could be 2020, 20, I don't think 2019 Bellinger, but he could be like a 2020 Bellinger and be a very good uh, trade piece later on in the season. And and he's just a guy who, who if you're an owner and you you know your team's not really ready to win right now, but you're kind of down to take a chance and you have some money to spend. He's a great guy just to spend money on him, throw money at him and say, hey, we want you here. Fresh, you know, reset, yeah. fresh scenery. We'll see how he does. You know, lots of day games over in Wrigley. We'll see how he does on, you know, leaving that, you know, really high expectations with the Dodgers where he kind of saw himself lowering in the lineup day by day, week by week, and I think losing playing time. And if you just give him a full season out in Chicago, I think things could change for him. So Yeah, and, and so we'll st- definitely keep an eye on, of course, the free agents still left on the market. Some of the main impactful names go from, you know, Trey Mancini, Matt Carpenter, Gene Segura, Dansby Swanson still available, Justin Turner, Brandon Drury. That's, of course, your main infield targets still left out there still waiting to find a new home and then when you look at the outfield and the dh spots ben attendee conforto jerickson profar jd martinez gallo joey gallo and where will he end up 
uh, Michael Brantley. Interesting enough, people have always said with the with with the shift being um, discontinued next year, Gallo should be honestly having a, a he should estimate to have a pretty good season next year. His projections are I think are showing pretty nicely. I, I think the batting average will go up. He's never going to be a batting average guy, but I think it goes up a tick when you're considering all these pulled ground balls. More of them will get through now, right? More they of them, will. more of them will get through the infield into the outfield because you can't have that. You know, second baseman playing out on the grass in out in short right field. That's not going to be a thing anymore. So yeah. it should help his stock. Travis, last question. We're going to wrap this thing up. One, just say one team, no explanation. Where will Dansby Swanson play next season? I think he's the last big free agent in my mind. At least there's other guys who are notable, but like yeah. I think he's going to be the highest earning guy left on the radar. Where does Dansby Swanson play next season? Go. Dansby Swanson will be playing in chicago for the cubs his wife is playing for the chicago something of the women's soccer league i'm sorry i don't know the team i think team it's the chicago fire maybe i don't know i think her last name is pew they just got married so congrats to them yes. but um i'm gonna say the braves oh i thought you gonna say the angels no shocker no i'm gonna say braves he's going back to I, atlanta i think the cubs and the braves are the two best picks but uh, okay. i guess okay. one of us will be right or both will be wrong who that, knows that will yeah that'll be interesting hopefully the net the next recording these guys will of course all be dropping i'm sure we'll record before uh the holiday season before christmas so we can at least maybe some teams will get their christmas gift perry think, of the angels to cover a little bit with the, with the angels real quickly perry said that santa is still coming for the angels so we could still learn our, some pretty big pieces. I think our next episode here is going to have to be the wish list, the Santa's wish list for um, some of the big teams who still are, might be missing out on a key piece to put them over the hump. Um, but all that coming up next episode, guys, if you made it this far, we really appreciate it. Of course, um, please continue to, you know, like subscribe, all that good stuff. Go ahead and leave a comment or hit up us, hit us up in the DMS. We will always want to engage with the listeners. Unless but, your name's Aiden Hall. Yes. Yeah, we're kind of tired of his comments. But if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>